To be sure, I've watched a lot of different sports in my time, but there are a few that I find more confusing than the sport of football. I remember from the time that I was little just watching the TV and seeing all of the different things that were taking place and being so confused because I was used to baseball. Baseball, you hit, you got a home run, and then there would be one point on the board. But football was far different because there would be six points, and then all of a sudden there'd be one or two more added on, perhaps, or maybe even just three. Or all of a sudden there are all these flags on the field, or there are all sorts of different things that were going on that it all seemed so confusing that it seemed like a bunch of chaos. But I knew how to figure out and a way to cut through all of this chaos. Because I would go to my dad and I would start to pepper him with all sorts of questions. Why was this the first down? Why was the second down? Why did they elect to kick a field goal here? That I started to ask all of these sorts of questions because I didn't understand the rules. And indeed, that's where the game is won. Because if you think about it, whenever they're playing a game, they're playing by the rules, but they're playing to win. And the only way you win is if you're following each and every one of those rules and you're using them to your advantage. And that is how the game of football is truly won. And we think about it when you, and we actually hear about rules all the time, that we're used to following rules from the time that we're little and the time that we begin to understand. But even in our own faith, that we hear about commandments, we hear about the law of the Lord, we hear about all of these different things, they're being taught to us that we need to pay attention to and we need to obey. But why? Why are all of these commandments here? Why are the laws here? Why do we have to follow all these things? Is it just a checklist that God is giving to us to test us? Or is there more to the story? And indeed, that's what the liturgy and the readings seek to answer today. That it may not just be about rules after all. To answer this, we can start off with the book of Sirach, because we're hearing this account, and it tells us about the commandments of the Lord right off the bat. And we're told that if one chooses to follow the commandments, they will save you. If one trusts in the Lord, he will give you life. Right off the bat, this is giving us something that might not seem all that familiar to our ears, and yet it's nonetheless something that's essential for us to understand. That if we're listening and we're following the law of the Lord and his commandments, then they will save us. But how? Sirach goes through and he starts to lay out all of these juxtaposing things. Fire and water, he lays out life and death, good and evil. All of these different choices that we have in our life, and yet they're all framed up in the context of the commandments. Because, in fact, there is a choice that leads us to life, or that leads us to good, or leads us to that ability to pursue the Lord. But there's also a choice that leads us away. And that's whether we choose to follow the commandments, or whether we choose not to. That the commands, in fact, are what are supposed to lead us closer to the Lord. And so it lays all of that out, but it also tells us that the one who seeks to follow the commands of the Lord is the one whom God looks upon with favor. That he continues to follow this person, and he continues to guard and protect them in every way. But we're told at the very end, too, that no one is given any excuse or any ability to put the law of the Lord to the side, or they're not given any excuse to break any of the commandments, but in fact, everyone is encouraged to follow them equally. But why is that? We'll come back to that idea in just a moment. We move on to St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians that we've been following for the last several weeks as he writes to the church in Corinth. And he's been covering a vast array of different things, and yet today we find ourselves in the midst of this concept of wisdom. 
that we know about what wisdom is, at least in an earthly way, and so did the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth often struggled with following things in a worldly way. That they were often pursuing following these things because they understood them in the context of what the world had to offer. And yet, St. Paul is telling them there's something different at play. Because he's telling them about this wisdom that only God possesses. That even the, the leaders of the world struggle to possess this true wisdom, this true knowledge of the things of God. Because they're so bound up by the different things that are in their life, or in their control. And yet he notes very carefully that if they possessed true freedom, they would not have crucified Christ. And so he's telling them there's something different here, that this wisdom is going to lead us to a different place. It's going to lead us to that place that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Then in fact, this wisdom is important, it's essential. But what does it do? We'll come back to that idea as well. And then finally we arrive at the Gospel according to Matthew, and we're continuing the series of the Sermon on the Mount that he began with the eight Beatitudes, he continued last week, and we're arriving at these series of points that he gives to us on the commandments. Now we all know the commandments very well, at least the ten that are laid out in the Ten Commandments and what were handed down to Moses on Mount Sinai. And yet, whenever we see what's going on here, there's this sort of idea that Jesus is working to counteract. Because he starts off at the very beginning, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. This right here counteracts that common theme that was going on at the time, that they thought Jesus was going to come and deliver them from everything that they knew. He was going to break all of the old and he was going to start something completely new from the ground up, from very scratch. And yet that's not what he's doing. In fact, all of the Old Testament, as we see it, is leading up to this point whenever we start to behold the Lord in the New Testament. And he, in fact, is the fulfillment of everything that came before. And so he's telling those that are listening, do not think that I've come to abolish all of these things. Come not to abolish, but to fulfill. And nothing's going to pass away. And what's more, he starts to double down on this idea because he starts to look at the Ten Commandments and he starts to tell them that even these things, like the, as simple as they might seem, there's more to them than meets the eye. So he starts off with that fifth commandment, you shall not kill, and he starts to tell them about the way that you've heard it said, you shall not kill, and the one who kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, he makes it even more difficult. He ups the ante just a little bit. And so he tells them, whoever is angry with his brother is liable to judgment, something that would seem much lesser of an offense in our own estimation. And yet, nonetheless, Jesus is telling us, it's not even good to be angry with your brother. It's not good to be calling them names. It's not to be good to be calling them a fool or anything of the sort. And so he's starting to double down and make it even more difficult to follow the commandments. So he starts to even go through committing adultery, divorce, and he even goes through telling oaths, all of these different things. And he makes each and every one of them more difficult. But why in the world is Jesus doing this? Why is he going through and seeing these commandments that might be difficult to follow on their head and making them even more difficult to follow, adding all of these different qualifications on what it means to follow these commandments? Perhaps it's because of what Sirach said. 
Because it's not Jesus trying to make it more difficult to be a Christian or to be a disciple. He's not trying to make it much more difficult to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But if we truly understand what the law of the Lord is doing and why it's here in our midst and why we're encouraged to follow it, then we're going to understand what it is actually trying to do. It's not trying to make life more difficult, but in fact it's trying to make life possible. Because if we understand, whenever we follow the law of the Lord, it's not about following an arbitrary set of rules. It's not about following a checklist of things so that we can enter heaven one day because we just follow the laws that God set out and we did what he said. But in fact, there's more to it. Because if we look at Sirach, whenever we see those juxtaposing things, it's life and death. It's good and evil that whether we follow the commandments of the Lord or not, that gives us the ability to understand whether we follow the Lord or not, whether we want to follow what he's saying. But there's more to this as well, because he wants us to have goodness. He wants us to have life. He wants us to have that ability to lead a life of fulfillment for ourselves. And yet the commands of the Lord give us the ability to do just that. Because if we understand the commandments, if we understand the laws of the Lord, they're not just arbitrary rules, but they're rules set out for our fulfillment. They're rules set out for our good and for our ultimate goal. That they're trying to lead us to the kingdom of heaven, yes, but they're trying to tell us what it means to be a truly fulfilled human being that is going to follow the law of God. That they tell us what is to be our goal. They tell us what is for our good. They tell us all of these different things, and they're trying to get us to follow them because they lead us to that place of eternal happiness. And so the first idea that we're given in the book of Sirach is that the commandments aren't there. They aren't arbitrary, and they aren't there just to be rules that are followed. But in fact, they're rules that lead us to our good, to our goal, to our ultimate fulfillment. That they steer us away from the things that are bad for us and lead us towards the things that are good. And so if we follow these things, then we're going to follow ourselves into what our hearts truly desire and away from the things that get in the way of what our hearts desire. And furthermore, whenever we consider what Jesus is doing in the gospel, the ways that he's laying out all of these commandments and seeming to make them more difficult, in fact, he's telling us more about what our hearts desire. Because whenever we deal with the fifth commandment, just as an example, we don't desire just not to kill a person. But we know there are far more ways that we can start to try to kill them in our hearts, even with anger, even with insults, even with different things that we can do. And yet, nonetheless, none of those things are really what our hearts want. In fact, if we truly seek and search in our heart of hearts, we know that we seek our fulfillment, but we also seek the fulfillment of our brothers and sisters. And even in the times whenever we're upset or we're wronged or we're hurt by others, then in fact, we're still seeking for their good. And that's what Jesus is trying to remind us of, that we don't get shortchanged, we don't get caught up in these temporary or passing pleasures, but in fact we start to look towards those things that are going to lead us towards our ultimate fulfillment and our ultimate goal. So he might seem to be making things more difficult, but in fact he's trying to lead us towards the things that lead us towards our fuller fulfillment. He's trying to lead us towards that good. He's trying to steer us away from the things that don't lead towards our good. And so he's reminding us to follow the law of the Lord and to follow Jesus isn't to shirk the commandments or to put them to the side, but it's to continue to be faithful to them. Because he hasn't put them to the side. He hasn't said, if you just say the name of Jesus, then you'll be saved. But in fact, he says, if you follow the commandments, then you'll be saved. And indeed, that's where St. Paul comes in with his letter to the Corinthians today. 
Because he reminds us about that true and abiding wisdom. He reminds us about that wisdom that isn't anything that earthly wisdom can provide, but it's something that's so far above that. And in fact, it's the wisdom that leads us to the kingdom of heaven. It's what our conscience continues to speak to us day in and day out, that little voice that always tells us to do good and to avoid evil. Then in fact, that's the wisdom that we seek, but it's the wisdom that makes it possible to follow the commandments. Because it's continuing to apply that law of the Lord to our specific day and our specific circumstance, and it wants to help us to lead a life of goodness, but ultimately to follow the law of the Lord, because it leads us to the kingdom of heaven, yes, it's what the Lord has told us to do, but it fulfills us here now, and it leads us to those things that truly lead to our fulfillment. And that really leaves us with this task at hand. Because so often we can see the commandments and we can see them as restrictions of freedom, or we can look at them and see the ways that it tells us to do something or not do something else. But we should see them as a law of love. Because in fact, they're the way that our Lord reminds us that he's always looking out for our good, for our fulfillment, but ultimately towards our freedom. And even when we look at the game of football, whenever we look at all of those rules and all of those different things that even I might not have understood back in my younger years, that those things make it possible to win the game. That as one follows the rules and as one learns the rules and even learns to love the rules in some way, then it makes it possible not only to play the game, not only to play the game well, but even to win. The rules have to be there, they have to be in place, but they have to be followed. But if they are followed, then they lead to a place of fulfillment, they lead to a place of freedom, but they also lead to a place of reward and even winning the game. So my brothers and sisters, as we continue to see the Lord and his commandments, all those different laws and those different things that he lays out for each one of us, let's continue to seek after those rules, not just because God said to, not just because he lays them out, but because they lead us to our ultimate goal, our ultimate fulfillment, and our ultimate freedom, even in the halls of heaven.